Going Linux, episode 424, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail line is one nine zero four four six eight seven eight eight nine. That's the thing that you, you hold in your hand to make a voice call to somebody else. It's called a telephone. Antique technology, but there you go. <laughs> in today's episode, listener feedback. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, Bill, how you doing? I'm doing great, Larry. How are you? I am fine. So, uh, adventures in distro hopping. Let's continue our discussion on that. What's going on? You're still on KDE Neon, loving it, it, working with it? Oh, no. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> I broke it. I updated it, and it broke the whole thing. I was getting psychedelic colors and weird uh, dialogue, and I'm like, uh, no. Um, then I uh, uh, put uh, just the newest version of uh, Ubuntu on my test machine, and it was like running really, really slow, and I couldn't figure out why. Uh, got frustrated with it, and said, I'm going, uh, why, let's make things even worse. Let's put uh, Majero on on my main machine and see if that mm -hmm. works. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it works perfectly, and I'm happily running Majero on my uh, main machine. I got to have a Windows partition for my games, of course. Um, well, hopefully one day I won't have to do that, and I can play all the games I want on Linux, but occasionally got to go switch into that horrible uh, Windows. Um, other than that, it's been running good. I, I put uh, Ubuntu Mate on uh, my b backup backup test machine, and it's humming right along. It doesn't seem to have the same issues of of uh, slowdown, so I don't know if it's just um, something's different or whatever. I uh, wasn't able to find anything. So... Um, I'm playing with that, uh, and I'm playing on my other machine with uh, uh, the latest Mint, because someone said, you should really take a look at it again. So I'm looking at that. So Adventures in Distro Hopping, I'm still a, a Manjaro fanboy. Um, I've got Pop on one of these partitions over on the uh, backup, so I still play with that a little bit. So I've just been playing, having a great time, because uh, I hadn't been distro hopping too much. I, yeah. But uh, what was really um, interesting is uh, my HP, which is the my main everyday gaming machine, uh, surf the web, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. It uh, Manjaro installed the correct driver uh, for the NVIDIA uh, oh. graphics card right out of the box. Um, that's good. It supported um, everything, uh, wireless. I mean, so it was. It's really. It was just 
uh, put the USB in, installed, and basically I'm pretty happy. Uh, I can't, uh, I can't be bothered to change it. I, I, I was telling you a little bit, I was starting to get kind of concerned because I tried, uh, three different distros before I finally said, I'm going to go back to Manjaro. I was afraid right. I was going to mess up my uh, Windows partition. Um, but the one thing that I, I do have an issue, I can't figure out how to fix it, is uh, since it's UEFI, it keeps the old entries for the other uh, Linux versions, and I can't find a way to do away with them. You know, I can't take them out of the list. Oh, in the Grub uh, boot-up menu, yeah. Well, no, in actually the BIOS. Oh. Well, what happens is, uh, like with uh, Manjaro, I uh, I have to select the um, the UEFI mm-hmm. entry, you know, for Manjaro, and it comes up then the Grub, and then it lists, you know, the Windows partition, and, and but it doesn't list the others. Huh, um, okay. And the other... Only other issue, and it's not Linux's fault, is I can't figure out how to make Manjaro the uh, default. I have to actually go into the boot screen and pick uh, the Manjaro uh, entry, and mm. because if I don't, it just goes right back to Windows. And do you have multiple hard drives? Yes. Okay, uh, there may be a setting in the UEFI that. Uh, allows you to change the boot order for the hard drive? It does. Putting the Manjaro drive first doesn't do that, huh? It'll go, you select it, you move it to the top of the list, because this says, you know, uh, I think it's F6 and F7. You you put the one that you want to boot at the top, uh, you exit and save, and it's supposed to work. Have yet to figure out why it won't do it. I've disabled mm-hmm. Secure Boot. I've I've tried everything. So, well, it's, it stays mostly on uh, Linux anyway, uh, except when I'm playing games. Um, it's not a it's not horrendous. It's just uh, I I would rather just have it go to that, and then I could select sure, which one I want to go to. A little to. annoying, yeah. But other than that, uh, it's not bad, and it runs it runs so fast. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that's great. Um, So let us know if you get that fixed and how you fixed it. But uh, it sounds like it's just a little annoying. So maybe you may you may leave it the way it is. Yeah, this it's not it's not a game changer or game breaker for me. Uh, It's a little annoying, but everything I do is a little annoying in some way. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I did uh, try to install. Deepin on it. Okay. In, Deepin installed fine on the test machine, but for some reason, my uh, main machine uh, would not uh, accept it. Even though it's a bun- uh it's I guess it's Debian based. Um, I did get it up and running, but it was really not a pleasant experience. Huh. Um, I try, you know, because Deepin doesn't have a preview mode like Ubuntu, uh, Mate, or like Manjaro, it has to install. Oh, so, right, yeah. And so uh, I would prefer, I usually like to make sure everything working before I install it, but I had to just you know go on uh, hoping everything did. But it, it really it set up things wrong. Um, 
and it actually selected even though I in the startup it's uh, the you know the installer I selected my time zone in the United States it uh, defaulted to Shanghai China and uh, then all I, I had to go in and um, click English because uh, I don't know what I can't read Chinese <laughs> oh okay that's good <laughs> <laughs> First world problems, you know. Yeah. Uh, but what was interesting about DPEN is uh, it uh, ha it would also include the Chinese uh, in different uh, menus, even though you selected oh, uh, yeah. English. So you have English and Chinese. I'm sitting there going, okay, because Chinese looks to me like a bunch of sticks. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, now we now we know how uh, somebody with, let's say, Turkish or uh, I don't know some some other international language feels when not all the menus have been translated and yeah. things are partly in their own language and partly in English <laughs> or partly in French or something wherever <laughs> the distribution is is created. So, yeah, that's uh, that's annoying. And yeah, I was just looking at and going. I don't know. Uh, I guess what I need to do from the pictures, <laughs> but it's like uh, I can't read this. This doesn't tell me anything. Um, but there's a lot of Chinese a a applications in their app store. Mm -hmm. uh, the app store is kind of nice, but anyway, uh, it was a, a fun adventure, but it didn't last that long. Um, they uh, their their interface is pretty. Uh, but the, there's certain aspects of the, like they have a cloud backup. It's only available in mainline China. Mm -hmm. You figure they wouldn't even install that if <laughs> it's not being installed in mainline China. Um, but I don't know. Um, yeah, well, it sounds like it thought it was, <laughs> despite the fact that you picked, uh, the U.S. Well, I picked Denver. That's my time zone. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, put me in Shanghai, China. I didn't know Denver was in China, but hey. Yeah, it's close. It's close. Uh, it's, close. it's only 3,000 <laughs> and some miles. <laughs> but yeah, I've had a great time uh, looking at all the, ch the changes. I'm just always uh, really uh, impressed with uh, how smooth and how thing, uh, things have progressed. Mm -hmm. Ubuntu Mate, it had been a while since I've installed it. I remember just from a year ago, it's just so much uh, more polished and smooth. So, um, yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah. Yeah, so you uh, installed 2204, I'm assuming. 2204. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I have to do those long term. I uh, not that they last yeah. long term on my machines, but um, <laughs> yeah, you you want them stable. Yeah, I get it. I want them stable, um, and you know, it's. I think uh, Ubuntu Mate. Um, why I like it is I like Manjaro as much as I like Ubuntu Mate is, uh, even though they're uh, on the LTS. I think I, I think I'm right about this. Is that uh, Ubuntu Mate uh, keeps the applications current, and you know I guess they'll update things so it doesn't feel so old. Yeah. Uh, in, unlike uh, like De some of the Debian package, you have the same version for the same for the however long you have it. So I like the, I like a nice stable base, but I I like 
the up-to-date applications on yeah. it. Yeah, that's exactly what Ubuntu Mate does. Yeah. Um, there are a few applications that stick around on older versions, but that's because, uh, usually because the um, older version is more stable than the newer version until uh, they update it to a stable release. Um, Ubuntu Mate will hold it back. But other than that, they try to keep all the applications as current as they possibly can so that it feels new, even though it's, you know, uh, supported for three years and you may be using it three years later. Um, it, it still feels new because you, all your applications are new. Yeah, and that's one of the things uh, that I do like about uh, Manjaro's. They uh, they hold them back. Uh, they're still really new, mm-hmm. but they uh, they do some more quality testing on them. It's more cutting edge than a you know something like uh, the an LTS. But I I think uh, Ubuntu Mate has a a good uh, a good way of doing it. You know, stable. Um, base and just uh, fresh apps, you know, updated so it never really feels old. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the other things I was playing, you know, Ubuntu uh, Mate has the way you can change the desktops. They've made some improvements in that too. It was oh, really, yeah. really nice. So all in all, I was, I was, uh, frankly, uh, uh, pleasantly surprised on how uh, much they've polished the little stuff that I used to get. Uh, something that says the whisker menu has crashed. Yep. And uh, I haven't had that. Um, right. So I, I know it's little things, but it's just the um, the install uh, for uh, both Mate and Manjaro were really top notch. Uh, I would say. The inst- if you can install Windows, then you shouldn't have any problem installing Mate at all. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's in fact much easier. <laughs> no, no uh, long uh, license to read. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that alone. Um, and I'm I'm sure every Windows user reads that thoroughly before they oh, yeah. install. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could be signing away my my dog, and I wouldn't know because it's it's thirty two pages or whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, okay, I accept. Well, um, yeah. So Ubuntu Mate actually, um, between the last LTS release, the last uh, long term support release, which was twenty point oh four. And this one, there are a significant number of changes, including the way it looks, because the theme is different. Some of the applications are different. Certainly a lot of the, um, a lot of the things that were annoying, um, little instabilities here and there, like that whisker menu crash and so on have been eliminated. Uh, when you change from light to dark themes, the dark theme follows uh, on things like the dock or the panels, which it I didn't consistently that. do. Yeah. Uh, if you are switching from 2110, uh, which was the interim release just before 2204, you won't notice such a big difference. But from long term support to long term support versions, it's a big difference, lots of big improvements, um, even though much of it is behind the scenes uh, in the base of the operating system and not in the user interface. There are enough user interface changes that 
you might mistakenly think that the user interface changes are the major thing, but they're kind of the stuff that goes along with all of the other stability improvements. And- yeah, one of the things that I've that I actually, it actually popped into my brain when I was looking at it, installing it, and running it um, was that it uh, felt like a, and this is a good thing, a a professionally commercial project. I mean, it didn't feel like a hobbyist. If you know some uh, everything. Was really well thought out, and things run, you know, like you would expect if you were buying uh, an operating system. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just felt like it didn't feel like it was a labor of love, but like a, uh, you know, it had been through multiple uh, testing phases, and everything just kind of made sense. And uh, it, I mean, it it was never bad, but it's. I've just noticed that the polish. I think that's a good word for it. Polish has gotten really, really good. Yep, and that was part of the effort. So, good. Okay, well, listen, um, this is a listener feedback, and although both of us are listeners to our own podcast, uh, and this has been feedback, let's get on to feedback from some of our other listeners, shall we? Yes, yes. Sorry about that. We got a little (laughs) long-winded. No, that's, uh, that's okay. We don't have a lot of sent in feedback this time. So I think, I think we're okay providing our own feedback on things. So our first feedback is from Frank who wrote about the command SU, which we talked about on our last, uh, last episode, I think. Um, Yes. So Frank wrote my understanding per the manual on SU, which you type into the terminal as man space SU was that SU stands for substitute user, not for super user. The command defaults to root if no substitute user is provided, but it is possible to specify a different user with SU, space, and then whoever the username is. I know I'm picking a nit, but methinks it's an important nit to pick. Thank you for your podcast. I've listened to everyone and learn a lot from you and your partners. And then he provides a plug for his own website, which is quite fine. If you want to plug your own website, we'll read it. Um, He writes, hear the theater of the mind uh, at the old time radio theater, www.mysteryshows.com. And here's his website, Blogging from Pine View Farms, www.pineviewfarm.net. Updates daily, worthwhile updates occasionally. <laughs> Being stupid is not an inalienable right. Frank, thanks for that. And if I'm probably wrong, and thank you for correcting me, I, I have been known to get things wrong, but. I was always uh, told it was super user, but if it's substitute user, that's great. Um, um, I'll definitely have to check out the uh, theater of the mind. <laughs> that, <laughs> that sounds yeah. interesting. Uh, you know, Frank has written in many times before, and he's provided that link to mysteryshows.com, and I have listened to a few of them and caught a few old-time radio shows that I used to listen to a long time ago and at that time they were old so 
<laughs> Some of these are really old time radio theater. Some of the production values on those are pretty good. You know, they had a whole cast oh, yeah. of people. So yeah, yeah, sound okay. effects and the whole bunch. Yep. Our next uh, email comes from Biku, who commented on Deep End and other distros. Hi there, Larry and Bill. In the last episode, Bill seemed eager to try Deepen. Personally, I have never tried it, and I have no proof, but there has been a few concerns raised about privacy uh, policy of Deepen. And he provides the link, which is in the show notes. It's an open source project, so anyone is free to inspect its code if they have any suspicion. And he lists another link to their GitHub uh, with their, their code base. I haven't written this email to raise doubts in Bill's mind, but to present him with another option if he is in doubt. The option is called Ubuntu DDE or DeepN plus the Debian stable. <laughs> so it's Ubuntu DDE. What Ubuntu DDE does is takes Ubuntu Core and spice it up with the DDE or the Debian desktop so you can try DDE uh, sans privacy concerns and uh, he gives me a link and said it is also recommended uh, Bill to try the following two beautiful distros too. They are both beginner friendly in his humble opinion and glorious looking. Uh, one is uh, Linux FX and then the other one is I've heard of it is Nix OS or NX OS and I uh, said, keep up the great work, guys, 73. Okay, we'll have links to all those things in our yeah. show notes, of course. And uh, I have no doubt, Bill, that you're going to try some of these if, uh, <laughs> if you get a chance. Yeah, I've heard of uh, the uh, NX, uh, I call it NixOS, but I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Um, the, uh, the only thing I would say is uh, when up in there, he said it's a Debian stable. They actually use the Ubuntu um, mm -hmm. uh, LTS. I've tried it when it was first being put together. When it was, because uh, I, I think they're trying to uh, uh, get to be a recognized uh, flavor of Ubuntu at that time right. yep. and uh, it was a little rough uh, they had some issues but yeah I'll take a look at it again but Linux FX I've never heard of it so guess what I'll be looking at Larry <laughs> yeah give it a try yeah give it a try uh, I'll try both of them okay and I just clicked on the uh, the link for the NX OS that uh -huh. provides us and apparently it says hi there meet Nitrux or Nitrux, powered by Debian, KDE Plasma, and Frameworks, and hmm. app images. So apparently they call it Nitrux or Nitrux. I -N Nitrux, uh, Excuse okay. me, N-I-T-R-U-X. And I'm just reading their front page here. It says, Nitrux is a Linux desktop distribution based on Debian. It uses the Calamares installer, includes NX desktop, built on the KDE Plasma 5 desktop environment and Maui Kit applications. Hmm. Nitrix does not use System D as its init system. Instead, it uses OpenRC. 
Hmm. Okay, that sounds like a little deviation from what we normally use. So it'd be interesting to try that one too. Yeah, that that's definitely uh, something I want to look at. Um, uh, I like how they uh, use app images. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they use it for everything or just the applications. Uh, I wonder if they're using Flatpaks. I'll have to look. I'll uh, let you know what I think. Okay, well, thanks for those suggestions, uh, Biku. We appreciate it. Thanks, Biku. Yeah, and our next email comes from Ambrose. It's a bit long, so we'll break this into a couple of uh, sections here. Uh, he provided some insight into DOS versus Unix end of line. Fellow engineers. So, as I was saying, I have scripts I use to download IP and domain name blocks from websites that offer them and incorporate them into my system. If you want to know more about that, listen to previous listener feedback episodes where we've discussed this from Ambrose. Uh, He continues, Recently, I came across a subtle problem which your users might like to know about. When I download the block lists, I have to do some post-processing to get them into the format of one domain or CIDR block address per line. This involves some grep, sed, awk style text processing. For new users, grep, sed, and awk are some command line text processing applications that are very, very powerful uh, and depending on your distribution, they may come um, pre-installed or you may have to install. But if you try to use Greb or Set or Awk and it's not installed on those distributions, most of them will, in fact, prompt you with the package that you'll need to install to make them work. Um, continuing on. Some of that means removing all comments and blank lines. Moving blanks can be slightly tricky since it's not just lines with no content at all. Blank lines can be a mix of blanks and tabs, and those have to be removed too. So, I use a regular expression that I had used before to remove blank lines. But it wasn't working. If you really want to know, it was grep space dash v space, quote, uh, caret, which is the little hat symbol, uh, left square bracket, space, backslash, T, right square bracket, asterisk, dollar sign, quote. And that's the last of these commands I'm going to be trying to read (laughs) verbatim. (laughs) So continuing on. But if you don't want to read that on the air, I understand, since it would sound like hieroglyphics. Yes, it does. The fact is, this should work, but I couldn't see why it didn't. So there's another way I've used, which is he provides us with the awk command that he's using, And it's got an embedded print command in there. And he uses single quotes instead of double quotes, which is kind of the way you should do most of these things in most cases anyway. And so he continues, awk breaks up each line it sees into fields separated by white space. And the command nf, which is in the middle of the command that he uses, is the count of fields. nf will be zero for any blank line even ones with blanks and tabs, because it's all white space. But this didn't work either, so I wrote an awk script 
just to print the value of M and F for the blank lines. It was one. Why? I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Ambrose continued. He says, Finally frustrated, sad, and somewhat diminished as a human, I hit on an idea. What if the file has a doll-style end-of-line sequences? And... Sure enough, each line had a backspace R, backspace N at the end. Awk was interpreting the leftover backspace R as a field. When I removed it, both Awk and Grip worked as I thought. I was aware of the DOS uh, EOL issue, but never thought it would cause a problem this subtle. I guess the moral is, if you are text processing a file you even suspect might have DOS end-of-line sequences, E-O-Ls, remove the backspace R before you do anything else. That makes the file work in the more usual way Linux tools expect. And he says it will help with removing the blank lines. Good luck and good night. Uh, Ambrose. Okay, lots of command line stuff there, lots of text processing. However, the lesson learned here is uh, Unix end of line and DOS end of line are different. And be careful when you're doing text processing that you know the source of the text. If it's coming from Windows or DOS, it may terminate the line in a different way than is standard for Linux, and you may have to process it a little differently. Or you may have to use an if-then sort of thing. If it's uh, DOS, use this command. And if it's uh, Linux, use a different command. So there's also a DOS to Unix that you can use to convert things. You might use that first. And uh, Ambrose actually included that in some of the stuff that he was providing us with here. A quick question, Larry. So, if I understand what he's saying, is he's taking a text file and trying to format it a certain way so Linux can read it. Yeah, and if I remember what he's doing is he is, uh, whenever he sets up a new computer, you know, when he does something new with his computer, he's he runs a script that oh, okay. he has to set it up. Part of the script is to put stuff in the right places. And some of that stuff comes from websites. And some of those websites have been designed uh, either using DOS or Windows as opposed to using a Unix server. And so some of that stuff he's um, had some problems with. Uh, And rather than manually clearing out what looks like blank spaces uh, or blank lines, he uses a script to do it and that's what he's doing here is trying to figure out, okay, this looks like a blank line. This Unix command or Linux command should work, but it's not working. Why is that? And uh, this this, uh, backslash uh, R backslash N at the end of a line that was generated in a DOS or Windows environment is the source of the problem. And so he's figured that out and figured out that you can... If if you strip that out first, you just have to know how to find it since it's invisible. It looks like a blank. Um, you can uh, you you can indeed write a script that successfully blanks out that line. Yeah. Wow. 
That's yep. pretty clever. So, yeah, Ambrose is truly a geek and an engineer, yes. as he says. <laughs> yeah, he's He has now been promoted to engineer minion. Okay. Hey, a new classification of minion. Yep, I created it. Uh, yep. it's all, he's the only one. So you're you're anointed, uh, Ambrose. Congratulations, and yep. uh, that comes with a lifetime supply of, um, I don't know, uh, going Linux podcasts. Yes, yes, <laughs> and it's so, our lifetime, not yours. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all hail Ambrose, the engineer minion. There you go. Okay. All right. Our last uh, user listener feedback for today is from. Our good buddy, Jack Death, he says, Flameshot, it's a multi-platform screen capture tool that looks like it has a lot of features. Check it out and see if you like it. You might consider it for an app pick. Troy, a.k.a. Jack Death, yes, Bill, it's pronounced (laughs) Death, not Deeth, (laughs) LOL. Okay, he got me on that one. And uh, Troy provides a link to his company's website, uh, Home and Business Computer Services in Wisconsin, if I remember correctly, www.hbcs.com. And if you're in Wisconsin and you need your computer repaired or you want a Linux-based computer or I'm sure they do all kinds of other stuff as well, go check out their website. I wonder if Troy would uh, freak out if someone come in and say, I'm looking for Jack Death. He'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, know the source of it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Troy. Uh, we'll check that out. In fact, I did use Flameshot um, uh, for a while. And quite frankly, it provides a lot of features. As a screen capture tool, you can do annotations. You can do uh, a lot of different things with it. Let me just kind of scroll down here. Um, It's customizable. If you want to do customize the user interface to your preference, you can do markup on the screenshots that you take. You can blur out text. You can uh, add bullet points if you're using those screenshots to illustrate how to do something. You can add numbers like one, two, three bullet points. Uh, you can change the way it looks, um, customize it, as I said, in, in multiple different ways. There's even a command line version that lets you script some of the screenshot functions. You can do screenshots right from the command line if you want. And... It's available for Windows, Mac, and Linux. So it's cross-platform as well. And for Linux, there's app images, there are snap images, there are uh, flat hub images that you can use to install it, as well as through the normal app or Pac-Man or uh, Zipper or, you know, pick your distribution. Uh, There are versions of it for whatever your Linux distribution is including app images and flat packs and snap packages if you want to use those. So uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, I went back to the uh, out-of-the-box Mate screenshot thing because that is all I need for taking a screenshot, and I use uh, GIMP to do the uh, notations and blurs and other stuff uh, that you might want to do. But if you want one tool to do it all in a screenshot tool, Flameshot is really good. 
Yeah, it sounds like it can do everything. I wonder if it can drive a car. Jeez, that thing has a lot of features. <laughs> yeah, you might be able to script that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, Jack Death, for that. Uh, see, I, I, I can uh, learn. <laughs> Troy, thanks. Okay, and that's it for our listener feedback. Uh, not a lot this time around, but hey, it's uh, getting into the summertime and people have other stuff to do, uh, like mowing lawns, which happens to be a good time to listen to podcasts. So you've got no excuse if you're mowing the lawn, <laughs> uh, but there may be other stuff you want to do and other than listen to our podcast and provide us with feedback. But if you would like, uh, just uh, go ahead and send it to us. Um, by email or by a voicemail or however you want to do it. Just go ahead, send us some feedback. We'll read it on the air. So until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.